Hello and welcome to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. This is a show that explores the landscape of the nonprofit organization, big and small, offers some incredibly helpful information and resources, and gives nonprofits a place to share ideas and get advice. I'm your host, Joe Turner. Our show is sponsored by Sukup Strategic Solutions, offering a wide variety of services to help nonprofits maximize their impact. So let's get into solving the problems that might be plaguing your nonprofit. Today, we're going to be talking about grant writing with Teresa Stokes. Teresa has an extensive background in nonprofit executive management, fundraising, grant writing, marketing, strategic planning, board development, and she knows a good wine or two, I understand. She served as executive director, major gifts officers, has written more than her fair share of grants over the course of her career. Teresa, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Joe. And you're right. It's taken a quite a bit of wine for me to write grants over all these years. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> so let's start with the obvious question, Teresa. Why grant writing? How did you become a grant writer? Well, at least in my era, and, and I'm mature, um, no one got up in the morning and said, hey, I think I'll be a grant writer. You know, all of us, most of us, a backdoored into it. Now, today, you know, there's opportunities to get grant writing uh, expertise, experience. You can get education. You can do all of that. But back in my era when I started, no, we all backdoored. And we did it mostly through marketing and communications and then ended up into fundraising. Mm -hmm. But why? Why was it grant writing for you? I felt empowered. Okay. empowered to make a really big change in my organization. Mm-hmm. And I've worked at a number of places and each place I work, I'm passionate or I don't stay. <laughs> and so it's kind of fueling that passion. And mm-hmm. so I've always been a writer, a, a fairly good writer. And so this really made uh, sense to me. How can someone improve their skills as a grant writer. I know that you've been a grant writer, you have grant writers that work for you, but for those who are listening that may be grant writers or trying to you know, work their skills a little bit, how can they improve their skills? There are a number, as I mentioned earlier, a number of educational opportunities for you. There are several uh, grant writing uh, professional organizations and associations that you can join and you can get education through there. I took a course through the Lilly School of Philanthropy here recently, just because grant writing is changing so much. And I just wanted to hear a new perspective. Well, let's talk about that, because that's a question I didn't think to ask you. But since you brought it up, let's talk about that. When you say that it's it's changed, what what kind of changes are you seeing versus, you know, a few years ago? I'm seeing dramatic changes, Joe. Back in the old day, we used to write this compelling heartfelt story and we got money for it but today and I would say in the last 10 years but especially the last five now grantors they're looking for metrics and measurements and lots of statistics and logic models and things that weren't as important and we never thought of a logic model earlier on in grant writing and so it's really been a shift when these these grantors are offering up their funds, so to speak, 
Are you saying that they're really looking for a lot of information more so than they used to? Much, much more so. And they want pre and post documentation of to document what the children in the case I'm thinking of right now, what the children learned during this period of time. We've asked around a little bit about why do you think this change has come? And I think the competition for grants is a lot stronger that a number of people who have had very high power business positions now have foundations. And so they're looking at that through the business lens. Another thing that I recently read in a, in a grant writing book was that with entrepreneurs, they're very much about numbers and now entrepreneurs are starting a lot of foundations and funds. And so they are of the mindset of justification, measurable justification. So they want the details. I mean, they really are, are digging down, aren't they? They are. So then that means the grant writer has to be digging deep to get that information, to present that information. Exactly. And I think that's the weakness of most nonprofit organizations is they aren't prepared to do that because they've never had to do it. They did good, they did right, and that was enough. But now it's not. And it's, mm -hmm. some things are really hard to measure, but you know they happen. How much time is generally needed to write a grant? And I, I know that it's kind of a ballpark because every grant is different, obviously, but what are we looking at? A wide range of time. In fact, that's one of the things that we've been doing here at SUCUP is really identifying grants by tier levels, assigning a number of hours per tier. So we know on, on things that are really more of just a donation ask, those are three hours or less, but it goes all the way up to 50 plus hours for some federal grants. Besides a pint of blood, what are they asking for that is that that makes these grants so much harder and longer to write? They want documentation of all kinds of things. They want proof that you're a 501c3, which is not an abnormal mm -hmm. request from any grantor. That's pretty basic. We just recently did a round of grants for here in Collier County this last year for the CARES grants. They needed all kinds of documentation to justify where you spent the money, how you spent it, lots of different kinds of your business registry. I mean, just a lot of different things. And many small nonprofits don't have that or don't have the capacity to have that in-depth financial reporting. We're talking with Teresa Stowes. We're, we're talking all about grant writing. This is Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. And what a great topic for nonprofits, grant writing. And, and we're so happy that you're with us today, Teresa. What are some of the key elements to writing a grant? It, it is one of those things, though, is really looking at the grant portal. And because most grants are online now and really going in and checking each drop down box and answering questions, both yes and no, to see what that triggers. So really familiarizing yourself and knowing what kind of attachments you have to have and what is size limits on those attachments and 
can you put three or four attachments together and still say stay underneath that level so you can add more information and mm -hmm. so it's really taking a look at that and and the budget the budget numbers really drive grants and you have to have good budgets and good budget narrative explaining about what you truly are going to do with the money and it including all those metrics and so really taking a look at what the grant is really asking for preparing yourself, pulling together other grants that you've written on the same topic, doing some research, doing some new research, especially now with a lot of us are doing grants that are, evolve around COVID. And what are the latest statistics, especially like COVID and mental health? But you're not stuffing the, the grant full of needless stuff just to make it longer, though. Oh, no, I wish sometimes I could. <laughs> uh, more and more grants are not only word count limited in the grant portal, but character count limited. Really? I spend a lot of time trying to edit. And, and it's strange because in Word, you go and you see what the characters are, and then you put it into the portal, and it has a different character count. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. part of that is because Word puts in some extra characters and things that you don't readily see with your eyes and that takes up some extra space. When you say character, you're talking commas and periods and everything in between. Spaces. Spaces. <laughs> wow. Hey, listen, Teresa, we're going to take a short break right here. We're going to come right back with more from our guest, Teresa Stowe's All About Grant Writing. It's coming up in just a moment. You are listening to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. We'll be right back. One of the biggest challenges facing nonprofits today is securing grants. Where do I find information on grants? How do I write a grant? And how do I submit the grant? And then, of course, the dreaded midnight deadlines. Hi, I'm Teresa Stos, and I have been there and done that. At Sukup Strategic Solutions, we have a team of expert grant writers with years of experience writing hundreds of grants for nonprofits just like yours. Visit our website today at sukupstrategicsolutions.com and schedule a free consultation about your grant writing needs. That's S-O-U-K-U-P strategicsolutions.com. Let's work together and get the grant that your nonprofit deserves. Welcome back to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Turner. We're talking all about grants on our episode today with our guest, Teresa Stowes. Teresa, what are some of the biggest mistakes that people make when they're writing grants? They don't answer all the questions. Oh. And a lot of questions have multi-parts in them. And especially when you're really crunched for space, you don't always answer all the questions. That's number one. Or you haven't filled out the budget correctly. You haven't followed their instructions. That's another thing that you really have to catch yourself on and really pay attention to it and being sure you've checked every box. Now, a lot of grant portals, if you don't have it completely done, it won't go, but some will. You, you basically need to read the recipe before you decide to start making, making the dinner, right? And just deciding, do you really qualify? A lot of uh, headlines and snippets about grants are misleading. For mm -hmm. example, we're in Florida and I, I get lists of Florida grants, but they're not for where we live in Florida. They're for 
parts of Florida that are on the other coast, they're up north in the panhandle. And so you have to dive in and really, really go deep to determine if you are qualified. That's mm -hmm. the very first thing. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that when it comes to qualifying is, is that kind of a hard conversation to have with a client when they think, uh, oh, we, we, we just qualify for every grant under the sun, and, and that's not necessarily true, is it? It can be. It can be very difficult conversation. And sometimes organizations have gone through downturns. They've had to lay off staff that happened with COVID. Mm -hmm. And how do you explain to a funder that you're really solid? And that's hard. That's hard for some nonprofits to really understand. What's the most important part of the grant proposal? We, we've gone kind of both sides of the fence now. The most important. It's two things. It's your logic model. You know how you're going to measure what percentage you're going to say there's going to be improved, what will be improved, and your budget. Those two things. I would be hard-pressed to separate between the two of them. Do a lot of nonprofits shy away from grants because they're intimidated by them? Because they sound really intimidating. But they can be. They really can be. And oftentimes, uh, someone who's written grants, they did that as part of 20 other things that they did. And so when you really are building a grants program, you need to have someone with undivided attention. And that's one of the ways that hiring grant services and direct services really helps you. Mm. It's cheaper than having an employee. The, these people write grants all the time. That's all they do. And that's the challenge that many people have is they are very budget restricted. And so they hire, who can they hire for $40,000, for example? Right. And it's unlikely, although it could happen, that you're going to be able to get someone who has some serious bench strength and success in grants for $40,000. But that's what a lot of organizations have budgeted. Talk to me then about the importance then of finding the right mix in a grant writer or deciding that maybe you should, uh, you should farm it out. One of the reasons that most people want a grant writer on staff is because they're going to be assigned to do lots of other things. They're that extra pair of hands when you do special events. If some crisis or unexpected issue comes up, they're that extra person that can help. They get plugged in to do this, that, and the other. And so the true concentrated amount of grant writing time is really reduced. Mm. Whereas when you you know, quote, farm it out, you, you look for outsourcing opportunities. That's all those people are going to do for you. And so they will work fewer hours, but you'll have a much higher level of productivity. One of the things that I really see now that I've been grant writing for a long time, and I had this conversation yesterday with a client about a grant, and I was saying, well, okay, you need to do this. You need to do that. You have to do this. Then and they're like, well, I didn't see that anywhere. And I said, it's not anywhere. You, you kind of learn it by experience. And so once I've written this particular grant for two other employers and four other clients now, so I have six examples 
and levels of experience and consequences about being asked for more information or understanding there are a lot of unspoken things that are there in grants. You're listening to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast, and we are talking grants with our guest, Teresa Stowes. Teresa, I mean, you're giving us some fantastic information, but I'm not going to let you off the hook just yet because I know that when you're when you're talking about someone who wants to hire a grant writer, what is one trait that a nonprofit should be looking for when they're when they're hiring? I think really vetting grant writing experience because a lot of people, you know, embellish that on their resumes and they have written five grants. Mm. You know, or it's a grant that they got every year and they worked in the same place for five years, you know. So that's different. So really, really doing a deep dive on their resume and asking some very, very specific questions about their experience and mm-hmm. understanding what kind of grants they truly did write before. Is there a difference between like the local private grants and something from the government, which I'm guessing there's a whole different animal, but I'd like you to explain it to, to our audience. It's a whole different animal. When you're writing for local foundations, many times you have that opportunity to know them, talk to them, for them to do a site visit, for a relationship, even if it's only a a phone call a couple times a year. That's a big difference. When you are, are working with federal grants, there's often not that kind of person that you can ask a question to. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these larger grants, even like on the county level, they're giving out money that was from CARES and that's federal money. So they have all the federal regulations, then they have their local regulations. And so it gets layers and layers of information. And the government, anytime you enter into a grant with the government, it's going to be some heavy lifting besides just the grant right. You're going to have to have a lot of financial information and you're going to have to have a lot of information that is much more specific Mm -hmm. than you have to in many other grants. And so a lot of people are terrified of them. And then you get the grant and that's just the beginning. Because then you have to do reports and you have to do reports for a lot of grants, but, you know, quarterly reports in order to get your funding. And that's something that a lot of people don't factor in. So you can't just cash the check, in other words. No, you can cash the check, but you can't just cash the check. (laughs) What is one thing that a grant writer can do to be better? Really talking to other grant writers. If there's an opportunity for you to belong to an association or there are a number of little small local groups. I, mm-hmm. I can remember years ago, I worked for a Jewish day school and there was a group of Jewish organizations and all of our development people met together and we shared experiences about funders and we shared new data we learned. And that was invaluable. Right. Is there a question that I haven't asked that you wish I did because it's information you'd like to share with with our listeners? I don't know so much a question, but a a final comment that Mm -hmm. I would have is that grant writing can be very rewarding, but you have to understand that when you start writing grants, 
you're going to have a fairly high rejection level. And I can give you an example from one of our clients. We wrote for the same grant. It was a federal grant, three years, and got denied three years. And we always went back and we were able to get some feedback and we always incorporated that into the next year. Then finally, we wrote the fourth year and we got it. And it was a $200,000 a year grant for three years. And that's very substantial for organizations. Having that multi-year commitment gives you opportunities to further develop your programs and to have some security of that you're not always having to fundraise. And so I, I would say to people, especially when you're going after larger grants, uh, whether they're national and or federal that don't give up the first time. I was told by a grant writing instructor once, a rejection is the beginning of the relationship, not the end. Excellent advice, Teresa. Thank you so much. This has just been outstanding. We could talk to you for an hour easily, and, and we, we appreciate all of the information that you're sharing with us today, and especially those who are listening who, uh, as I said, they might be a little maybe intimidated by the process, but but I think from the, the encouragement that you're giving us, it, it can be done. It can be done right. It can be done successfully. You just got to just dig in deep and, and, and do it, correct? That's exactly it. And you do have to be a little fearless. <laughs> fearless is good. <laughs> Thank you so much, Teresa. Appreciate it. Well, it's time now for Coach's Corner. This is where we take your questions that you send us, and in turn, we turn them over to some of our coaches, our impact coaches, to see if they can answer the question and give you some really, really good advice. And our coach today, the president of Sukup Strategic Solutions, Cheryl Sukup. Cheryl, thank you for being our coach today. You know, we were talking earlier about grants, so we figure this question is perfect to ask in terms of grants. And the question is, Cheryl, how do I know if I'm ready for a government grant? Now, Cheryl, as you know, the way it works on Coach's Corner, you have five minutes and your time starts right now. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate the opportunity to answer this question. So government grants is something that many nonprofits want to pursue. The question is, are they ready? Are you ready to pursue a government grant? And there are many things to consider, but I'm going to give you five down and dirty things to consider right off the bat when you're thinking about whether or not to apply for a government grant. It's important to consider this before you get started because it really does take quite a long time to complete the application for a government grant. So the first thing to consider is, do you have someone who has experience writing a government grant? Because the first time you do it, you really need some guidance. So either find somebody who has already written one or to coach you or consider hiring somebody to assist you the first time around and then learn all that you can so that you can do it the next time around. So if you don't have somebody that can assist you, you can consider taking a course on writing grants or you can try to find somebody to volunteer to assist you, or you can hire somebody to help you. Um, the second thing to consider is, do you have the expertise in-house to manage the grant once it's been awarded? So managing a grant means many different things, but a couple of things right off the bat. Number one, do you have the financial policies and procedures in place to manage the funds? Using government funding is something that requires some very specific policies and procedures. For instance, 
if you're receiving a community development block grant, there are very particular procurement requirements and you need to have the proper policies and procedures in place so that you are following the procurement requirements that the government entity has for you. So that's the local government. If you receive a CDBG community development block grants are also known as CDBG grants. If you receive that through a local government, you may have local government requirements in addition to the federal government requirements of a CDBG grant. So that's just an example. The third thing to consider is, do you have a logic model for the program or project for which you're applying? A logic model takes into consideration the inputs, all the things that you're going to utilize in order to complete the project or run the program, and then the activities that you will do to accomplish your goals for the program, and then outputs, what types of things are you going to put out as a result of that, and then ultimately the outcomes that you want to achieve. What change are you trying to make in the world as a result of the project? So there's a lot more information about logic models on the Impactability website, but for now, just know that it's important to have one of these and so that you can quickly answer a lot of the questions that will come up in the application. Mm-hmm. Next is, do you have a budget for the program or project for which you're applying? So no matter what type of government grant you're applying for, you will need a budget for that project or that program. And you'll need to consider all the sources of revenue and all the uses of the funding for that particular project. So you need to to consider your income and consider your expenses. And sometimes the government grants not only a budget, but a budget narrative that needs to be completed where you will provide more information about exactly what's in each line item. And lastly, do you have a timeline with project milestones? Do you know how long it's gonna take to accomplish your project or to put your program into action or to achieve the goals that you have for this particular program for which you're applying for funding? Joe, I hope this was helpful for all the nonprofit leaders who are listening. Really good information and good advice, Cheryl. Thank you so much. And thanks for being on Coach's Corner with us today. Thank you so much, Joe. If you've got a question for Coach's Corner, we want to hear from you. Email them to us at impactcoaches at impactability.net. Again, that's impactcoaches at impactability.net. And if you want to reach me, my email address is joe.turner at impactability.net. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter at impactability.live. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, and that way you'll get new episodes downloaded just as soon as they come out. Also, please give us a review or a rating so that your peers in the nonprofit industry can find us as well. I'm Joe Turner. Thanks for listening, and thank you for all you do to make the world a better place through your nonprofit. Mm-hmm.